It's Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Busy Friday. Damn, John calling in with a really good story. I was when I was driving in. No, oh, uh, it was like. Like, you forgot this one. Okay, we'll have that loaded up. We won't say what it is right now, but uh, it's a fun person to cover. I, I've always thought this person was a complete jackass, but people are afraid to go at her. So we'll do that later. That's a very benign tease. John's here. Damon as well. Finley Toyota Studios. You fired up? Fired up? I am. I am. The Cut. vibes in the room are immaculate. I can't wait. Wait, what? I mean, everybody's energy is palpable. Everybody's okay. happy. Oh, yeah, no, we're fired up. DeMond's fired up and ready to go. Uh-huh. I'm ready to go, too. <laughs> Raiders stuff coming up in just a couple minutes. Let's hope there's no negative report coming out on one Devontae Adams. I'll like, keep Z like, open. Like real. Wait, what? You're going to keep what open? I'll keep Z open. Okay. See what's going on. By the way, I didn't get what you sent me before the show, so. What's that? Well, you sent me a link where you have our little rooms that I'm supposed to be in. You told me. Oh, uh, I'm yeah, trying. Yeah, okay. You know what? Just wanted to let you. I don't want to blame it on anything, but yeah. there you, it is. All right. You know how things go. Uh, anyone who watches our videos knows how things go sometimes in this building. I just didn't so. want to get like a snippy like. Can you jump in? Like I'm waiting. For no, no, no. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. It's my fault. Uh, so we got preseason football. A big, you know, a lot of games coming up. Right. So we had a couple games last night. So of course we're going to get some impressions off of that and. Hey, you know what? Football season's here. I, we kind of gave you the – it wasn't even a lecture for the audience. It was more of a lecture towards other radio people who are in the sports bubble, and they don't realize how much the average person enjoys the National Football League being back because uh, this is kind of our fun pass as guys and oh. women. It is. I mean, during the, this is our fun pass. We, we cover it, but for the rest of a lot of folks around the country, man, uh, you get to tell the, the wife, the hubby, whoever – uh, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, football's here. I got, I got to watch football. It's my fun pass. So for me, for over at Visa, I'm going to do like, the last year. I did more college football. This year, I'm going to do even more college football um, coverage. So, and I still have to keep up with the National Football League. Already known in the house of Von Tobel is we got this fall schedule set. Saturdays and Sundays gone all day. Sorry, got to do work. Now, the rest of my weeks, you know, pretty open. I work a lot from home in between, so I'll be home. But Saturday and Sunday, I'll see you. I'm working. I'm getting more fired up every day. I, <laughs> I really, I really it's am. It's great. All right, give me the impression last night. We'll talk to, about C.J. Stroud in a couple minutes, but the most maybe overblown impression, narrative that came out of last night. Oh, that he's like, he's cooked, that he's not going to do anything. Well, Look. let's get to Stroud in a second. What about Malik Cunningham? Oh, you talk about the second coming of Lamar Jackson? Is that what we're saying? Uh, Malik Cunningham? Come on. I, this is So this is what kind of irritates me about the preseason overall, which is, like, we don't need to do – like, we get it. You're watching the preseason, okay? We get it. We get that you had maybe some preconceived thoughts about player X before it started. But when the player's balling out against third stringers – can we, like, pump the brakes for five seconds and realize what the situation is that we're watching unfold? Like, Malik Cunningham was, okay, he was good. He, was, he looked great. He looked like a quarterback who was uber-athletic, dealing with a bunch of third- and fourth-string guys who were fighting to make a roster, 
and those kind of settings, your athleticism really shines. So he looked great. But like this, like there's this push now of got to get him on the roster. He could push Bailey Zappi. Mac Jones, look out. Like, oh, I mean, this is deja vu. It's every year. We could probably, someone, someone's probably done it. If they haven't, it's a good piece. Um, prob, someone probably should go through last 20 years of preseason and come up with like the most hyped person in preseason. It's sort of like what we deal with with the NBA Summer League. Right? Sure. There are a couple of great players. There's a lot of great players, but you know, let's say of the five standouts at the NBA Summer League, there's three who really are just ninth men, tenth men. Of course. But we go crazy. A lot of times the MVP just does nothing. You know? It's a different mission, it's a different level, especially when the threes and fours are on the field. Yes. And that's kind of like my thing is overall, just realize what you're watching. You know, last year, for example, the, so the highest-graded quarterback in the preseason by PFF standards was Geno Smith. All right, that kind of translated, had a strong year, uh, really fell off, but still somewhat translated. You know the second-highest-graded passer by PFF standards was last year? Justin Fields. Justin Fields was nowhere near the second-best second passer in the National Football League last season. You know who was right behind him? Sam Ellinger, my guy. Colts quarterback. Looked incredible in the preseason. Was terrible. When the regular season came around, he got playing time. So I just, you know, just okay. pump so the pump brakes. the brakes. Yeah. Pump the brakes. Uh, so let's move on to C.J. Stroud, one of the top picks in the draft. Supposed to be a franchise quarterback. I think he's going to suck. I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Okay, I was playing off the pump the brakes. Yeah. Actually, that was double pump the brakes. You think he's going to be a Hall of Famer? <laughs> I just, I'm doing the same yeah. thing. Like that's I, it, because you just you don't know. Yeah. You have no idea. It's such a small sample size. And if you really watched, you know, I went back and watched Steve. When you go back and watch. His offensive line did him no help. He was under pressure quite a bit last night, and that led to some poor plays. Now, his interception was brutal. I don't know what he was looking at. It was a bad read. Threw an interception that you could see it coming from a mile away. But overall, with the narrative to be like, ooh, C.J. Stroud, first start, struggled. And like the, Patri- the Patriots were blitzing multiple times. <laughs> they were going after him. Yeah. For a first start, that's a, pretty, that's, a, that's a rough landing for the most part. So I would just say – don't take anything away from a first start in a preseason where you play two drives and that's about it. Please, can I add something? As someone who did not watch the game, but I found a couple of Cunningham tweets that I just want to share with everybody. So, didn't watch the game, I'll say that. But I can still weigh in my takes. Malik Cunningham might just be an NFL QB. This is from the actual NFL account. Get to know Malik Cunningham. From Fox Sports NFL, Malik Cunningham be moving. And this is a fun one here. Malik Cunningham will be QB1 for the Pats by the end of the season. And it's a missed throw. The receiver didn't even bring it in. And this one here, my favorite. Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi watching Malik Cunningham play like he's Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson combined. And it's Will Bond and Stephen A. You know, doing that video of them both being shocked. Well, who, I'm all in. Who sent out the last two Zeets? Uh, these were just regular accounts, but that Will Bond and Stephen A. video got over 1,000 likes and 161,000 impressions. They're posts. Ah. please. They are posts, which I don't like. Yeah. Uh, so people are all in. Yeah, so I mean, wow. there's. I'm not going to get too mad that people get excited about the potential two or three quarterback on the roster. He's Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady combined. I, I mean, saw it in a tweet. I, I just I think it's the two things combined. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's it's hey we're done with C.J. Stroud. Hey Malik Cunningham is incredible. Well, it's based on expectations, right? No one knows who Malik Cunningham sure. is. Louisville, right? Yes. No one knows who he is. And there's super high expectations on C.J. Stroud. And Stroud's out there against maybe more stout competition, and Cunningham's not, and people just can't differentiate. Sure. Also, you do this all the time. Can we, can we be a little bit more nuanced with the, uh, the comps here? 
Ah, oh, yeah. Mobile black quarterback from Louisville. Got to be Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, yeah. <laughs> we can, you can think a little bit more outside of the box. I will never, uh, AK-47, I will never com- not compare him to Josh Allen. Anthony Richardson. Yeah. That's it. True. Raw guy, uber athlete, gigantic. Might throw freaking 48% completion this year. I don't know. Got a very powerful voice. But we'll watch a lot of Anthony Richardson press some availability. But he doesn't need to be Dante Culpepper, who couldn't move, right. but was the same size. And has tiny hands. But people will do stuff like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> doing, doing, doing the celebration. So uh, updates on Devontae Adams from joint practice coming up in less than seven minutes. Should we overreact on this one? Let's listen to Josh McDaniels talk about the newest Raiders running back, a former chief in Damian Williams. Yeah, we had, you know, a couple guys that got nicked a little bit. So, you know, we're just getting ready to, um, you know, go into a preseason game where there's four quarters, regardless of whether you want them or need them or, or run out of players. And so um, Damien's a guy we worked out earlier in uh, in training camp. He was in shape. He's had a productive career. He's a good, he's a good football player. He's smart. He's tough. Um, and so we were interested in him, honestly, before that. But, um, you know, when you start to get a little low at a number here and you got to play a game, and really we're going to play two in six days, you know, along with another two competitive practices. So just trying to make sure that at each spot we can, we're kind of, you know, healthy, as healthy as we can be going into, I'd say, this, this stretch, of game, stretch of days, which is going to be an important one. Are we losers as far as radio goes? What do you mean? Should we just lean into this? Josh ain't coming back. He's sitting out the season. Damian Williams. It was nice. It was a good run. Yep. He was awesome as a Raider. The handwriting's out there, man. It's obvious. Come on, Don. Be that guy. That Josh Jacobs is not coming back. Be of course Dan- not. Be, why be, they sign another running back? Be dangerous, Danny, yeah. in the morning. If Josh Jacobs isn't coming back, if we get to game one of regular season football and he's not here, I'm walking off the show. <laughs> Because I stand in solidarity with Josh. Well, Jacobs. I mean, that, if you won't, I'm leaning in. And much like running backs, you are integral to the process. We will totally miss you. <laughs> We're done. We're done. I think I can't run this board. I don't know if anyone can run this. Nobody's board Nobody's right gonna. Now. What did Greg say? Nobody's gonna roll up my headphones for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Greg Salerno saying that that's all Demond does is uh, set up our headphones, check can on I, the volume. Can we go back? So McDaniel's quote there. That's awesome. Because if I'm Damian Williams, I'm listening to that. I'm going. Wait, so you're just signing me to use yeah. my body and then, like, get me out of here? Well, I mean, one, he's a running back, so sure. they're, they're used to being abused, and he's not signed. <laughs> That's terrible. But, two, I think you, if you're at that position, at any really any position, if you're being brought in, there's a good chance. I mean, do you think they outright told Chase Garbers? Like, this is for the preseason, so just try to stay healthy, but you're going to be out there. You're playing. Sure. This is why you're here, and... I mean, for Damian Williams, if, if you're pitching him and he's like, well, I mean, I'm just getting, you know, being brought in to be a punching bag. Yeah, but you know what? You're also going to get a chance to showcase yourself to us and lots of other teams. So at least you're playing. There's a lot of other running backs who are unsigned, and no one's seen them right now. Yeah, but my, my rebuttal there would be, sure, I get a chance to showcase myself behind what? Second and third offensive, second and third string offensive linemen who aren't going to give me a great chance with their run blocking? Beggars can't be choosers, right? Sure. I just, it's, Imagine if he came in, he's like, where's the where's the, the ones on the line? What's going on here? Where's Colton? 
I'm leaving. Where's my guy at? Right. Um, no, I look, I understand why you would take the opportunity, but it's just, it's never really, it doesn't seem like always the best opportunity here. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. A couple of preseason games last night. Raiders at it this weekend. So we'll get to that joint practice today. Oh, boy. So, these preseason games, the main players don't play, and there's a reason, right? They're going to get a couple of reps here and there. A lot of teams now don't even play their quarterback at all. Uh, we'll get to what McDaniel said about Jimmy G, which is a little bit different, or maybe it's not. John can address that in five minutes. Aaron Rodgers is not playing in the preseason as a 100-year-old. It's not going to happen, right? In NFL years, yes. So, this first week, it's – a cup of coffee for some of the main players, and then unless you're Josh Jacobs last year, and that made that made a lot of waves. Uh, but the main players are not playing. But what that means is the joint practices are really important, and the ones play, and you do have to, you know, kind of grimace at times when you're watching because someone can go down, and someone probably will go down. And Devonte Adams went down today. Now early reports are no big deal. We're dealing with Patriots West. So I hope they're being honest on that. I really hope. Because it, it, it hit me when I saw that he had gone down. I'm like, oh, my God. No. If he's out for a lot of the season or the whole season, what does this season mean? Like, how do they recover? And then I started going through the wide receiver core, and it is pretty deep. Like, could they survive? Yes. But he's so freaking awesome. It would be so debilitating. Right. I mean, you can have a deep receiver core, but nobody has the dynamic aspect to the offense, much like Devontae Adams would. So I, I think it's it's a pretty big problem if this is obviously going to be the case. There's a lot of bodies here, and there's a lot of serviceable bodies, but I don't know. Like I think that's a stark drop-off once you remove Adams and then you move everybody up a peg. That's going to be pretty big. And if we're doing the Patriots-West thing, I mean, if you read between the lines, the thing was not too serious. So does that mean it's serious, just not that serious? And I have – this has been my thing with the Raiders. I, I, there's a couple of teams that are like this. But I have, I have said the Raiders, I think, are one of those teams that are on a razor's edge. Right. Which is like if you start missing guys, yep. there's a stark drop-off, and, and that could get ugly really quick. And that's the funny thing. When it comes to season win prognostication, sports books view of a team, if you presented this to any big – you know, hey, Adams might be down for two-thirds of the season. They might just tell you, yeah, it's not going to change any of the numbers. But it does change the numbers. They're not going to move it. But all of a sudden, all the guys, you know, Hunter Renfro, I guess the retort would be, well, I mean, 100 reception guy a couple years ago. He'll be the one. He's not a one. Right. Everyone having a bump up could crush them. Uh, McDaniels, quote, I don't think it was crazy serious. There you go. So is it serious serious? Not crazy serious. I don't think it was crazy serious. And commenting on the play, he said it was a bang-bang play. Because there were some people, uh, he got just crushed by Ward. Um, That's from Vic Tafer, the quote. Uh, Tafer was suggesting that maybe maybe the Raiders should have gotten more angry about the hit. Um, Other writers saying that the trainers put a sleeve on Adam's right shin area. Okay. As he was walking gingerly off the field with a limp. 
It's a waiting game now. It'll be fine. Not crazy serious. What's the difference between crazy serious and serious serious? Or really serious? It's mildly serious, that's all. Because it's not crazy serious. serious. He didn't say mildly, he said crazy. He said it's not crazy. He said it's not crazy serious. Not crazy serious. So let's and, say it's around mildly serious. And like what we're talking about with Adams too. So but like I agree with you in that I'm not gonna believe anything coming out of this because and, and they've built that up themselves, right? Like that's that's them. Like that's what they want. They, that's exactly that's, what they want. So that's where they operate. Uh, it could be he's back tomorrow, it could be he's out until December. It, it doesn't matter. You're not gonna get a straight answer from anybody on anything here. But when you talk about what you're missing, just for example, for a couple of these things, you know, one example, his average depth of target on receptions was like 13 yards downfield. It was 12.8. That's that's a dynamic guy who's catching balls downfield. That's that's a really strong number. You're not getting that from a lot of the other guys that are going to be on this roster. There are guys with the speed to maybe get there, but they're going to add after the catch, do everything he does. The reception rate, certain balls that Devontae Adams can catch, many, like not many guys can make into receptions because of his skills with his body. Like it's... I think this is a very serious moment now where you're going to sit back and see what's going to happen. But like I said, could be tomorrow that he's back. A good chance no matter what, he's zero snaps the entire preseason. Devontae Adams. I'd say that's a certainty right now. Over-under snaps for Jimmy Garoppolo preseason. I'll go 25 total. Over-under 25 snaps total for the Raiders starting quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo the entire preseason. Under. Yeah, I'll take the under. Okay. How many did Derek Carr get last week? Zero. Right. But there is a difference. He's better. What are you is talking there? about? So. What's the difference? Garoppolo just hasn't played. Now, Derek the reason, Carr was the familiar he, with the system? He, no, I'm saying uh, Garoppolo hasn't played in a while, So maybe, and it's a new offense for him. I know it's supposedly an old offense, but he has said, hey, you know, he's thrown in some new wrinkles here. How much time does he need? Or they have so much confidence in him as a veteran that you just don't play him. And, I mean, he's brittle, so... Why would you risk it? So, okay, um, over under 10 snaps for Jimmy Garoppolo in the preseason. Still going under. Wow. That one's tough. So, Demond, are you predicting he does not play at all in the preseason? Yeah, that's what I'm banking on. 10, I'll pro- you'll probably give me go over on 10. Over? Give me like seven handoffs, three quick slants. Okay. Call it a day. Here's Josh McDaniels answering the question if Jimmy G will be playing. Was this in the preseason or just in game one? This was just about the first game. But okay. we can, you know. Fire it. We have not made any final determination really on anybody. We're going to talk about that tonight and, you know, and just kind of, um, you know, there's a lot of guys that there was guys that got a ton of reps in the last two days. So um, we're going to make sure that, you know, like I said, we looked at it as a three day sequence here against the same team. So wanted to try to give everybody about the same opportunity, depending on how practice went. And then you kind of divvy up the game reps accordingly. So we'll kind of take stock of it here today. Yep, oh. he's consistent. Holy word salad, I know, dude. he is consistent. <laughs> like the bites nothing. are all, like that was one of the shortest bites of the day. The bites are all freaking 45 to like 215, and when you chop it down, you might have, you might get like 20 seconds of content. It's craziness. It's just, it's just Belichick who is a little more pleasant and outgoing and projects. More barrel-chested. That chest. Well, not McDaniel's. Is no, I'm it? saying yeah, Belichick, though. Belichick's got more You've never heard this it. one that uh, about four years ago. Oh. Was he on a beach? Yeah, he was on a beach. He was on a, uh, <laughs> Belichick was on a beach shirtless, and John just went Dude, his gaga. chest was insane. His pecs looked like they were inflated. It was, it was insanity. <laughs> I'll go try to find a picture. <laughs> I'll never forget. He's the definition of barrel-chested. I don't, I don't think I could – I don't think if I tried – I could say nothing as well as Josh McDaniels just did in that. <laughs> That's that so awesome. He gave an answer. 
Oh, he gave an answer. What of substance did he say? We'll evaluate it tonight. Which is not believable. And then when the snap know. counts about other players and like, yeah, you know, we view this as three days against one team. Like, yes, that's what it is, Josh. It's exactly what it is. You practice for three days against the 49ers. Are there certain things you can get a better sense of now that you can pass on? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there, there's there's always a physical toughness factor. How do guys respond? Uh, maybe you got blocked really one play. How do you bounce back? And you can see some of that in pass, but you know, we haven't we haven't tackled one time. But I think the, the physicality of the practice structure is is there. I think we can be a physical team, but I think it's always you you get better at playing the game by actually taking reps. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. That's a good question. Who was that? That was me. John Von Tobel at media availability for UNLV football yesterday. They practice today, tomorrow. Tomorrow's a scrimmage. Uh, media is out. So close practice next two days. We'll see about that. You're going to sneak over the fence or a peek? Just, you know, just, the, the parking lot is elevated, so if I just go hang on the parking lot, I'll be able to see some stuff. Is I think that, they... Is that me doing my job? What's, what's today? Today's the 11th? Today's the 11th. I think by Sunday there was kind of a hard deadline for the second field to be open. For folks that don't know, they just put new turf, and they need it really badly uh, outside of the Fertitta football facility. So they only had one field done. Now the second field is done. You like the field? You like walking around? Oh, I love it. throw yourself in the ground yet? See how cushiony it is? No, not yet, but I do, I do like being out there. You know, there's something about football. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just guys being dudes. But they've been kind of crunched on the one field, and if that sounds, you know, oh, what's a big deal? I mean, they've got <laughs> like 90 players. And if you notice, John, the special teamers – uh, the kickers and long snappers, they mm-hmm. leave. I think they take uh, a walk or a golf cart over to the track facility. So they've been over there, and then they come back, and then they do some That's kicking at the end of practice. Yeah, they disappear. So now they're going to have a second field, and then you'll, the whole thing will be spread out. They don't have three fields like the Raiders. Raiders today on field three, at least compared to field one where the media sits, uh, joint practice on field three. So you didn't, get, you didn't get a lot of video of that. Media you're access really, is – You're not really allowed to video much. But you weren't going to get good video outside of stretching. And then once you're on field three, good luck. Media access is a little bit different for us at UNLV football compared to uh, Raiders practice. Well, Josh McDaniels has a lot of equity from the Patriots, and they run it like the Patriots. And every coach is different, right? But, hey, Marcus Arroyo last year, last couple of years, sure. we were there for about 40 minutes, and then skedaddle, everybody, come back later. So that was Odom talking about tomorrow – Finally get to see a little bit of tackling, getting the full pads, real scrimmage. Uh, I thought yesterday was tremendous. I think I'm really impressed by Brennan Marion, and we're going to get to Marion a little later on. He's the very young offensive coordinator, but, man, he is concise. He's straightforward. He likes to talk offense. Uh, Michael Shearer, about the same age, he loves to talk defense. Odom, just he, he loves talking football. So I'm always down with guys like that. And then they have high-character players, Right. All over the field, they've recruited some really good guys. Jare Williams is a former walk-on who was out of football for a couple of years. You remember Jare's story? So, Jare Williams was at Arkansas Monticello. He was buddies with Jacoby Winman oh, that's right. from Louisiana. Yeah. Winman told the Arroyo crew, hey, you should have this guy walk on. Then... Dre Williams can't qualify because he's got some issues uh, academically with the clearinghouse. I mean, clearly when you hear him speak, he's a smart guy. Uh, so then he's like right on the precipice of playing a couple of years ago, and they're like, nope, 
So then he's got to basically survive, keep it together. He talked about working really weird, odd jobs. When we talked to him yesterday, I mean, he did like a minute at the end mm-hmm. of his press availability. He was like, I just love football. I so appreciate it because of where I've been. Because it can be taken away mm-hmm. like that, you know. It can go away real quick. So he's one of the leaders on defense. Uh, listen to a quick bite here as uh, Barry Odom addresses. Uh, I think I threw this question out that uh, Michael Shear, the defensive coordinator, had said, hey, this guy's number one for a reason. He's just, he's just one of those dudes on defense. Here's Odom. Around the building, leadership qualities and skills, the way he practices those habits, doesn't take uh, much motivation to get him going. I mean, he's, you know, in, he's self-motivated in, in a high way. Tremendous personality. Just a great kid to be around. I mean, everybody says a lot of the same things about Dre Williams, which is, I think, somewhat surprising in that not about him himself, but generally, you know, one person doesn't generate the same positive feelings from everybody else that you talk to. But it's been the same thing with Williams. I mean, when we got to talk to Jacob De Jesus, wide receiver, about him, it was the first name that came up in terms of being one of the best corners and defensive backs that he faces every single day in practice but also brought up the work ethic and everything. And even when you talk, when we got to talk to Jure, the, the positivity that spews from him is incredible because I don't think I could ever be that positive <laughs> for more than 10 minutes of my life. Um, but also tying it into you know being proud of his fellow defensive backs or, or spewing positivity when it comes to the wide receivers that he faces off every day. There is, there is a lot of positive vibes when it comes to Williams, and he's clearly one of, I would, it would seem very clear, one of the top personalities in that locker room when it comes to a leadership standpoint. Uh, brand new defense, three three five, and Dre Williams' role is as a nickelback, but he's going to move around the field a lot, and he was just raving about the flexibility on the defense and how it, it matches his style. Oh, I love Odom. I love Coach Sheer. The defense that they bought, I love it. Um, it allows me to play my type of ball, fast, physical. Um, you want to go, go. Like If you want to make a mistake, make it full speed. We'll correct you. By us having that umbrella defense, by us having them defensive backs so far and them linebackers like a good amount from each other that we could just play off each other. So maybe this might not be your gap you have to fit in, but we can correct it on the go. It's all about playing fast, just playing physical and being smart as you can by knowing like the routes, the splits, the stance. Odom, he's so smart. I learned so much from Odom just having a defensive head coach now. And he just gives me like, game every day like you should do this you should do this things it'd be so simple just as maybe if you want blitz line up in a press formation like stuff i never even thought about so just having that other insight view about the defense and then just the way they whole mentality about our defense goes it just fits me so perfect and i love it so my basic knowledge of the 335 and especially off of what the best 335 in the conference san diego state does is dre at nickelback could be up or back. Mm-hmm. He could be the guy who's putting pressure on the quarterback. Jackson Turner, who's probably one of the starters. Uh, maybe it's Jordan Morgan. He uh, Jackson Turner's in from Arizona. Morgan is a transfer now a couple years in the program from Iowa State. They could be the guy who is creeping up to the line. Jonathan Baldwin, another veteran safety. He could be the guy creeping up to the line. The third linebacker, we'll say the outside linebacker, could be another person creeping up to the line. Right, mm-hmm. That could be Xavier Carter, who's in from LSU. Different body type. More like a big wide receiver, 6'4", 215. And I asked uh, Odom about Carter, who's a little slower to come along because he's just been hurt uh, in the spring. And they held him back a couple of days. But Carter has a ton of upside. He's another guy who can really disrupt things. 
Yeah, I think tremendously he is really, really athletic. And I think the understanding and the grasping of the playbook has been uh, because we have we moved him around a lot. And then he was out with an injury when he got here. So, you know, this is the first time he's really got consecutive days of reps. So some of that athletic ability is starting to show up. I think he can be an elite pass rusher. But then also I think for him the game's slowing down a little bit and he's understanding his role and what that looks like. Then we've also slowed it down for him and kept him on one spot. I think that's helped. I think as he is in the program, I think he can be a multiple position guy. Yeah, dude from uh, Atlanta, now 6'4", 215, and went to LSU after being offered by like 35 schools, Oklahoma, Alabama, Tennessee, amongst uh, the offers. Different body type, right? Oh, when I he looks compare and especially when he's lining up along the defensive line, so you can really compare and contrast. Like he does look like a spindly, somewhat smaller guy, even yeah. though he is six four, like two ten, two fifteen. Body type wise, he does he clearly fits the profile of like, all right, this is going to be like our edge rusher guy, and we'll see if he can apply some pressure and whatnot. But I mean, overall, I think him he is stuck out. The defense as a whole is stuck out. The, the times that I've gone out to camp and where well, they've been in now five days, I've only gone out to two. But especially when we were there on on uh, what were we there Thursday was that the last time, they, they've looked really solid. They, I think they picked off um, they picked off Brumfield one time. Uh, there was another one where he had to throw up a pass. And I even think Jure got one of those, the the one that I witnessed in the seven on sevens, like forcing checkdowns and whatnot. The secondaries looked really comfortable and not giving a lot of stuff up. It looks like it's a pretty impressive unit so far, and they have some impressive bodies on it. We'll get to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, hear more about Doug Brumfield. Hear more about the offensive coordinator uh, from his. Uh, the mouth of uh, Brennan Marion. Um, he's got some really good things to say. Like I said, really impressive dude, and I can't wait to see the uh, go-go offense. But up next, let's turn the page. We'll get to some betting news. ESPN bet, what does that mean? What are we pushing? Are we part of it? What's going on on the national level? Um, and a bunch more gambling news. One of our great experts and part of the company, Adam Candy, is on the way. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. On Cofield and Company, this is one of the best breaking news moments. A little nerdy, but finding out that there was something going on with Barstool and they were out of the sports gambling biz, I think. We'll get an update on that part. But that uh, Penn National was moving on from Barstool and had a new brand partner in ESPN. So there's going to be something called ESPN Bet. And this is what Adam Candy does. He covers this part of sports gambling and, and a lot more at Legal Sports Report. And Candy's nice enough. And he does a great job doing it, Steve. Oh, boy. Candy's nice enough. I don't know what that was. He, I mean, he does. <laughs> Candy's nice enough to join us on a Friday. What do you think, Candy? What was that What was that ass-kissing for? What's going on with JVT? Oh, oh I, know exactly. I know exactly what that was about. Oh. John felt badly for me because when I was joining you guys and doing my sound check earlier, Damon asked me if I was John. He said, hey, John, can you hear me? Like, no, I'm, I'm not John. I'm, I'm, I'm Adam. And DeMond doesn't even know me. So John knew I needed a little pump up. That and the fact that, you know, I actually do think you do a really good job. And uh, I like to nerd out over stuff like this. So it was genuine. It was heartfelt. It was heartfelt. I, meant I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I appreciate you. Wrong. I appreciate you too, Steve. And also, look, I mean, who knows what the future brings. So maybe if LSR is hiring down the road, I just want to put some good vibes out sure, there, you know? Sure. Hey, hey, man's keeping his options. That's a smart human being. I like it. So, all right, let, let's dive into this. I, I mean, there's a lot that comes into this. I want to start first with the, the, the Portnoy thing because, that, of course, I think starts everything else. So explain to everybody, Adam, um, 
the concept of Portnoy getting Barstool back for quote unquote nothing, but what that deal actually looks like and how it ties into sports gambling with is it a non compete of properties at one point operated the Tropicana? Uh, Penn National bought out the Barstool brand. And they finished that purchase this year, and they paid a total of $660 million for the brand. Well, in return for that, they got bupkis. Uh, they had <laughs> almost no market share. 3% of the market in oh, wow. states where they were live, 1% of the market nationally. They were a rounding error. The Barstool Sports brand went absolutely nowhere. And perhaps more importantly, Dave Portnoy caused them major problems with gaming regulators throughout the country. In fact... Uh, Jay Snowden, the CEO of Penn, said in their announcement of ESPN bet that part of what happened with them not getting into New York uh, by his illusion, not getting a license to operate in New York, was because of regulators being Ooh. uncomfortable with Portnoy. So now, when it came time to make the deal with ESPN, Penn needed to move quickly and they needed Barstool out of the way. And so they didn't really have the opportunity to go through a big negotiation with Dave Portnoy. So they sold it back to him, did they, for Barstool Sports for $1. So Dave Portnoy gets it back for $1 with this restriction. If he ever sells it again or ever tries to get into any sort of business profiting off the Barstool brand, he is going to owe Penn 50% of whatever that is. Now, you'll be shocked, guys, shocked. To know that Portnoy has said, I'm never selling again. Yeah. Okay. Well, we, we believe you as much as we believe anything else that comes out of your mouth. Right. But essentially, Barstool at this point is out of sports betting in the regulated space. And they said as much. They said, you know what? We don't think we were a very good fit for regulation, to which I think we would all say no S, Sherlock. Yeah, we, we knew that from the jump. So they are the, probably the company that was the biggest threat. Bigger, it's not going to be, you know, there's not going to be a figurehead at the top that's going to be weighing you down. How would this be different this time around for Penn? Well, the whole thing that you hope is that the figurehead at the top this time is 180 degrees different because the figurehead is Mickey Mouse instead of Dave Portnoy. Right. And those are maybe the two most opposite characters you can come up with. But the thing, John, that you know as well as anybody is that they're going to end up going with an ESPN bet app on your phone that most people in Nevada are not going to be able to access, but you're going to have this ESPN bet app on your phone, but it's going to be essentially the same app that Barstool Sports was. Penn National was going through this big process of creating an all new app because they were claiming at the time, well, the problem isn't really Dave Portnoy. The problem isn't really that nobody likes Barstool Sports. The problem is that our app isn't good enough to compete. So they've been in the process for more than a year of coming up with a new app. So ESPN Bet is not going to necessarily be a product that you know is built from all the greatest tech nerds in the world. It's going to be whatever the Barstool Sportsbook was going to be with an ESPN logo on it. And it's not going to launch till November of this year at the earliest. So we've seen this before because we saw Foxbet get into the space. I asked Sam Paniatovich earlier in the week, so I'll ask you the same question. How does this differ from Foxbet? What does it learn from Foxbet that would make it successful? As we just saw Foxbet shutter, what, like a month ago or so? Yeah, uh, Foxbet shut down, and uh, I guess, what do you think, John? Too many people won Terry's money? Was that the problem? <laughs> I think so, yes. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Too, too many people won Terry's money, and they had to go out of business, and that was that was the story. That's it. There's nothing more to say. Uh, Foxbet, there's a little difference with Foxbet, but I the question you're asking about, does the model of attaching a big sports media brand right. to a sports book 
work. So Foxbit, there was a whole thing involved here because they were owned by a big company called Flutter as part of a purchase of the Stars Group, which used to include Poker Stars, blah, blah, blah. But the problem for Foxbet was they were being they were owned by the same company that owned FanDuel. Well, what's the point of having two brands trying to compete in the US when one of them took off instantly? Right. They FanDuel is the biggest app in the country right now. They have nearly 50 percent of the market in all of the US. Well, they weren't they weren't going to get into promoting Foxbet too. You're basically going to dilute your own brand. You're trying to get the same people to sign up for the same sports betting app. So they ended up all but choking it out, right? They basically put a pillow over the face of Foxbet and that became a whole lawsuit situation and so on, so on. So will it be different for ESPN? The question is, how believable are ESPN's messengers when it comes to betting? And we're not talking about yokels like you and me and Steve. We're talking about the ones up at the national level like Stephen A. Smith and, and so on. And so this, to me, brings up a major question. They had to know that this was in the works for at least some length of time. So to me, moving away from Doug Kazarian, who was let go in the layoffs, is a curious move because he was probably the best bridge that they had from the ESPN brand to the sports betting community that's out there with with a voice influencing people in terms of what is the ESPN brand for sports betting. So that strikes me as a little bit odd because now you're going to be trying to count on messengers who... Let's be honest. Most times when they start talking about betting on sports, they talk about it in a way that they don't really seem confident. They don't really seem sold on it. They're going to need some real buy-in from the big personalities at the mothership. Adam Candy with us, uh, co-filling company member, also legal sports report. You want to go to, you see all the written work that Adam puts up. It's awesome. Uh, I will say this, Adam, Michael Wilbon never come close. He never, ever, he should never come close to promoting this thing. Why? How, how often he craps on the concept of Vegas and sports betting and how it's all a, sh- a sham and a fr- all this kind of stuff. They don't know what they're talking about. The second I see a Michael Wilbon promoting ESPN bet, I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't, hey, there are, there is Wilbon and there are a lot of people yep, out there who either have been against it or have not really understood it in the first place. And that's the biggest issue, right? It's the biggest issue out in the market in general. We we get the bubble in Vegas where we're around so many people who understand the business, who understand the mechanics of sports betting day to day that I think we don't realize just how widespread that ignorance is out there in the rest of the world. And some of it is from old media members who are used to the idea of it being illegal and have this thought of everyone as a backroom bookie who's doing this business as opposed to the legal out there in more than 37 states business that it is right now. Let's go to the other side of the counter, like the the big boy side of the counter and Phil Mickelson. So what's your impression of what Billy Walter said, the volume, and then some of the events that Phil Mickelson was trying to bet on? Yeah, I mean, the... The word, if you believe it, from Billy Walters, and let me just pause right there, if you believe it from Billy Walters, the word is that Phil Mickelson wanted to get down 400 grand on the Ryder Cup. And Billy, in his book excerpt, makes himself sound like the voice of sanity, telling Phil, you can't do that, I I wouldn't touch that. Well, Phil himself came out and said, I can't do that, I wouldn't touch that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know if I believe either of them uh, in this case. But we see now that Phil Mickelson was betting, in the words of Billy Walters, hundreds of millions of dollars, lost 
hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe as much as a billion dollars that he was betting 110 grand a pop or 220 grand a pop at times. I don't know. What jumps out at me is that, you know, if you believe Billy Walters about this, then Phil Mickelson's gambling addiction really was as bad as he's made it out to be. If you believe that Phil Mickelson was trying to get down on the Ryder Cup, it really shouldn't shock you at all, because if you know anything about the words of Phil Mickelson in the past, he was perfectly willing to bet with his friends when it came to golfing, right? Perfectly willing to spice it up the way that most guys are willing to spice it up and go out there and have a uh, you know Nassau going on the weekend. But for Phil, we're, we're not really sure where the line is. For Billy, who, let's be honest here, Billy's a convicted felon. We, like, we don't know where the line is either. Does he just want to sell the book? I don't know. But Phil Mickelson didn't seem too thrilled about some of the information that came out. Do you think there's some odd glorification with stories like this? Like, I see a lot of, I saw one sports gambling personality, the book of a Trent, like, we're going to do the 43 MLB bets today. And I feel like there's not enough about, hey, you know, Phil might have had a problem and more about like, almost like, hey, man, this guy's badass. He's getting down. This is awesome. Dude, I think you're 100% correct (laughs) about that because the, the responsible gambling narrative is almost completely lost when you start glorifying things like that, because even Phil wouldn't say it. Phil's come out with quotes and talked about how Phil was not comfortable with the way he was betting. He says in his response to Billy Walters, that he's talked about hundreds of hours of therapy that he's gone through to try to deal with his gambling addiction, how he nearly lost his family over his gambling addiction. I mean, there, there are plenty of reasons to look at the Phil Mickelson story and say, whoa, I think we should be using this as a cautionary tale versus saying, awesome, bro, let's do it like Phil. Candy, you rule. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good weekend. Appreciate it, guys. And uh, tell Damon my name's Adam. <laughs> All right, we'll see you. Boy, Damon's never going to live that down. Well, at least until the end of the show. Uh, Damon had sent over a story. And by the way, Adam Candy, not only part of the company, but also part of, uh, I mean, he's one of the big boys, at LegalSportsReport.com, so go check it out. Lots of stories on these purchases. You know what I forgot to ask him, I guess, is WinBet closing down a bunch of places yep, now? Yep. So what does that mean? I think it's in two states now, if I remember correctly, here what? and one more. Oh, boy. I haven't seen anything in my email about getting my money out. Well, I, mean, I hope, hope that works out. Yeah, I was going to say, is it here? I hope it's not in other states. Uh, Arizona. Oh, okay. I have to check it out. I don't think it's like immediate 100%. Right. I think you have a chance. Right. Uh, Damon sent over a story from The Ringer. Did you actually read through this about betting on the preseason? Uh, yes, I did. It was from Austin Gale. So okay. did I. Oh, Gale's over there now. Yeah. I like him. What do you think of the story? Uh, he hyperlinked Vsin like four times. So you know what? Awesome article. <laughs> you love it. <laughs> yeah, Dews uh, bet the Ravens and underdogs. Another Dew actually watched the games. Uh, also live bet. That's kind of interesting. We'll build on that. We got the big four four coming up. Reno comes in. It's Cofield and Company.